0: Wednesday marked another huge game for the Orioles. Another chance to get a game back on the Blue Jays. But the bats fell flat and the O's lost 3 of 4 in their biggest series of the season. I'll recap Wednesday night's loss, plus take a look ahead at the Orioles' final 25 games. We'll talk about what they need to do and what they need other teams to do to help them somehow get into the postseason here in 2022. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, September 8th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always... I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to recap a tough Orioles loss from Wednesday night. They fall 4-1 to the Blue Jays and lose 3 out of 4 in a pivotal home series against Toronto. I'll get you the 5 things you need to know from the loss. Plus, we'll take a look at the Orioles' final 25 games of the season. And the question becomes, what do the O's need to do down the stretch to still get in the playoffs. Then we'll also look at the schedules of the three teams in the wild card ahead of them, the Mariners, the Rays, and the Blue Jays, and talk about what those teams might need to do to help the O's sneak in. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you, so you never have to go to a dealership again. So, next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to vroom.com, and check out thousands of great cars. And before we get started, just want to thank you, the listener, for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Monday through Friday, got a new episode five days a week here during the season. Remember to subscribe and leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast listening app if you can. And We're, of course, here on the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Remember, we're doing an Orioles card giveaway sometime next week. You must be subscribed to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page to be entered to win. But again, we thank you, the listener, for making Locked On Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, well, we start with a tough Orioles loss. Final score from Wednesday night at Camden Yards. Blue Jays 4, Orioles 1. As the Jays come in and take 3 out of 4 from the Orioles in a pivotal, pivotal series. The Orioles drop to 72-65 and with the loss. They've now lost 4 out of their last 5 games. And they fall 4.5 games behind the Blue Jays. They are now 5 behind the Mariners and 6 games behind the Rays. Those are the 3 teams in the AL wildcard race right now. Orioles still the first team out with the White Sox and Twins tied three games back of Baltimore currently in the standings. But I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 4-1 loss to the Blue Jays. And the first thing you need to know is, well, Tyler Wells returned to a major league mound on Wednesday for the Orioles. And frankly, it was a lot earlier than we thought Wells was going to return. He had that oblique injury about a month and a half ago for the Orioles, and he had finally gotten back to a rehab start. He made a rehab start Friday night in Aberdeen. He threw about 30 pitches. He looked really good in two innings, but of course it was at the high A level with the Ironbirds, so you figured, okay, he makes at least one rehab start in A. probably makes another one in AAA, and then we maybe see Wells by the end of next week, but I thought it might be at most 10 more days, maybe two more weeks before we saw Tyler Wells. But that was not the case. The Orioles announced before Thursday's game that they basically wanted Tyler Wells to finish up his rehab in Baltimore. And it makes sense. You've got a team in the middle of a wild card race in September and Wells for most of the season was the Orioles best starting pitcher. So I was kind of on board with this. Hey, if you feel like the stuff looked good, which it definitely did. The velocity was back. The stuff was back in that one rehab outing in Aberdeen last week. If you feel like the stuff's there, well, you can kind of control him at the major league level and at least get him an inning or two that is maybe going to be better than some other innings you're going to get from relievers. And the reason why this was kind of the perfect time to do it is because what the Orioles had to do to the bullpen on Tuesday to win that game. Remember... Brandon Hyde had to go to Dylan Tate in the fourth inning. He used 30 pitches out of Dylan Tate, four outs out of CNL Perez. He had to get six outs out of Felix Bautista. His bullpen was not rested at all. He did not have a lot of go to relievers left in this game. And so it was kind of the perfect time to activate Tyler Wells and be able to kind of control what he threw and basically make it a rehab outing in the majors. Now, many asked, Okay, if you're activating him, why are you starting him? Why not just have him ready out of the bullpen and let Dean Kramer start like he usually has? Well, this is kind of why they did it. They used him as an opener and said, look, you're going to throw around 40-ish pitches. is going to be your pitch cap tonight. They can kind of control the part of the lineup he faces and how much he pitches. So you use him as the opener, and obviously Wells ends up going two innings. He allowed one run on two hits, struck out one and walked two, and he threw 34 pitches in those two innings, only two hard hit balls against him. I thought the stuff looked pretty good. I thought he was pretty close to being back to the Tyler Wells we had seen. I mean, his fastball velocity was pretty much on par with the whole season, 93-94. to 94. He used his slider a good amount. It was 13 sliders. 13 four-seamers, and then five change-ups and three curveballs for the 34 pitches Wells got. He did get five whiffs on 17 swings, including at least one whiff on every pitch he threw, which is definitely a good sign for a four-pitch guy. And he looked pretty much ready to go. He just obviously only threw 34 pitches. They're going to have to build him up a little more. But the answer to the question, you know, why did he start? Why take Dean Kramer out of his rhythm? And I get that it's a risk. But if you start Tyler Wells, you can know that he will have won a clean inning, which, you know, if you have a guy coming back on a rehab stint, do you really want to bring him in, you know, with first and third and one out in the eighth inning? You know you get a clean inning. You know he can air it out a little bit. And we saw how good he was in those shorter stints last season. You can, you know, relieve Dean Kramer of facing the middle of the Blue Jays order for one time, the Vladdy, Bichette, Alejandro Kirk part of the order that the Orioles can't seem to get out. And also, if you, you know, plan on having him go 30 to 40 pitches – you basically try to get him through two innings. If he can't get through two, well, a guy like Jake Reed was warming in the second inning. You kind of bring him in to get through the second. And then you make sure you give Dean Kramer a clean inning, which the O's did as Dean Kramer started the third inning on the mound. And it's just a way, because Tyler Wells is not fully back, he's not fully ready to be back, and it does look like the O's may at least have the intentions of building Tyler Wells back up to being a starter in the rotation. And so you'd much rather have him start pitching the first two innings in his first time back than come back pitch out of the bullpen and then try to move into a starting role. So I think it worked out in the sense that he only gave up a run, he kept the O's in the game, and it got him on track to be added back to the rotation. And the other indicator that the Orioles plan on having Wells back in the rotation is that well they had to make room of course for Tyler Wells on the active roster. And they optioned Spencer Watkins down to AAA Norfolk to make room. And you figured, oh, they might, you know, option back one of these, you know, kind of random relievers like Jake Reed or Yenier Cano, who they just called up. But no, it was Spencer Watkins who has been in the Orioles' rotation for most of the season. And he can't come back up for another 15 days unless there's an injury, which means the Orioles have to replace his rotation spot. Now, we know Watkins has not been good over his last three starts and it has hurt the Orioles. That tells me that Wells is going to be ready to at least jump into the rotation for at least four innings the next time that that his time comes up, and that's kind of the combination of why they went with this plan. Second thing you need to know from that one on Wednesday night is that Dean Kramer was the follower in this game. He did not lose his rotation spot. The Orioles said it was just a one-time thing with the opener. He'll be back to normal his next start. And I thought, really, it went fine for Dean Kramer. I didn't think it really messed with his rhythm too, too much his final line five and a third innings in relief three runs two earned on six hits three strikeouts two walks and no home runs for Kramer who threw 92 pitches to get through five and a third innings of relief he did get hit a little hard in this game nine hard hit balls against him but I thought the stuff looked good and I thought honestly a lot of the runs he gave up just some really bad batted ball luck. I mean, he only had seven whiffs on 54 swings. He actually had a really interesting mix 25 cutters, 23 changeups, 21 sinkers, 14 four seamers, and nine curveballs, is how Dean Kramer got to 92 pitches on Wednesday night. Lots of cutters and a lot of changeups. That changeup has been really good for him lately, and he went to it. Now, it wasn't at its best on Wednesday night, but he went to that changeup more than he ever has, which was definitely interesting to see. But really, you know, all three runs that Kramer gave up came in that weird third inning, and it was just bad, batted ball luck. I mean, you have first and third with one out. Vladdy hits a ground ball to Rugneto door Would have been a really tough double play to turn, but he bobbles it just for a second, can only get the out at first. A run scores to make it two to one. Then you have Alejandro Kirk on an 0 2 changeup on a pitch that literally almost hit him in the shoulder. Somehow, Hits the ball, flares it into left field for an RBI single to make it 3-1. And then Adley Rutschman makes an error, which we haven't seen him make in a long, long time. Tries to back pick Kirk at first, throw gets into right field, and that scores the fourth run. I mean, it was just really bad luck for Kramer. And that's all the runs he gave up with those three weird runs in the fifth inning. And in a perfect scenario, he could have got out of the inning with a zero and kept it at a 1-1 game and just... The luck wasn't with him. I thought he pitched well, and obviously he is going to stay in the rotation. Third thing you need to know from this one is that the Orioles' offense, well, it scored first again for the third time in the four games this series. Ryan Mountcastle with an RBI double in the first inning put the Orioles up 1-0. But that was it for the Orioles. 25 of the final 26 batters who came to the plate for Baltimore were retired in this game. O's had only one run on three hits. With two outs in the first, they got the Santander single, the Ryan Mountcastle RBI double. Adley Rutschman had a one-out double in the sixth. Those were the only Orioles hits of the day. Gunnar Henderson also drew an early walk. That was the Orioles' four base runners in nine innings of this game. That was it. You had Alec Manoa just dominate them for eight innings, one run, three hits, five Ks, and a walk. Took them only 95 pitches to throw eight innings. And then Jordan Romano came in. And got a 1-2-3 save in the ninth to close out the Blue Jay victory. I mean, they used their best two pitchers and got through the Orioles pretty quickly. And the O's offense, after, you know, we thought maybe, hey, Wednesday night, you know, you get nine hits. You have the two big innings. Maybe that breaks out this struggling offense. It did not because this is one of their worst-looking games for the O's. And I just, they got to be able to hit the ball. I mean, you had five through nine in the Oriole order go combined 0 for 14. Henderson, Stowers, Orias Odor, and Mateo. You got to get a little production and they just, they weren't getting any. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that Jake Reed made his Orioles debut in this one, the sidewinding reliever who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Dodgers on Monday and activated to the roster on Tuesday. We talked about him in depth a little more on Wednesday's episode if you want to go back and check that one out. But, Hey, read through a scoreless inning in the top of the ninth. One hit and two strikeouts to keep it at a 4-1 to one game. And it's fun to watch. I mean, it is fun to watch him pitch. Not only as a sidearm pitcher, but that delivery, the way he kind of cocks the ball behind his back and then fires it away, you don't see anybody else in baseball throw like that. We saw 17 pitches, 11 sliders, and 6 sinkers. He got 5 whiffs in the inning. The stuff looked really good. And I got to say... You know, when he's throwing from that arm angle and he's throwing 92-93 with a sinker, with a wipeout, you know, 83-mile-per-hour slider that's getting whiffs, I think Jake Reed is going to stay in this Orioles bullpen for the time being. Now, there may be a time when, you know, Nick Vespi or, or somebody else comes back up and Reed loses his spot. But right now, I don't think he's a high-leverage guy, but at least as a middle reliever, I think Reed is going to stay in that O's pen for uh, maybe the rest of the season if he's going to pitch like that. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is simply that loss hurt. It obviously hurt in the standings, dropping the Orioles four and a half back. It hurt to lose that series and it hurt after all of the positive vibes and the positive energy and and all the energy in general with the benches clearing and the Orioles winning Tuesday night's game, having a chance to split the series, get back to two and a half back. Instead, they're four and a half. They show no life. They have one run on three hits again, 25 of the last 26 Orioles were retired. They just, they just didn't show up in this one and, obviously, it hurt them dearly. But for the Orioles, hey, at least if you look forward, there's still a chance. There's 25 games left on the schedule. There's still six games against the Blue Jays. And four and a half games, it's not the most insurmountable deficit in the world. So coming up next, first, we'll start by looking at the Orioles schedule. The last 25 games. What the O's need to do in those last 25 games to stay in this wildcard chase. We'll try to get you excited for the rest of this season because there still is some excitement. and still a way for the Orioles to stay in this race. But speaking of excitement, summer's winding down. The nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of the licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in the line at the pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. You just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. So the Orioles fall to the Blue Jays four to one on Wednesday night. A tough loss for the O's that puts them four and a half back in the wild card standings. But the question kind of becomes: Are the O's still in this? And the answer, at least for now, is yes. Because even though they're four and a half back, the Orioles still have 25 games left on this schedule. They sit at 72 and 65 at the moment. And again, they're four and a half back of the Blue Jays, five back of the Mariners, and six back of the Rays. Those are the current three wildcard teams. And there's still a chance. I mean, mathematically, there is a chance, but there's still a a solid chance, at least, that the O's can catch, you know, one, if not two, of these three teams and get themselves back into the playoff race. Now, it's not going to be easy for the Orioles, And that's why I wanted to first look at who the O's play in these final 25 games. Because we talked about how the Orioles have one of the toughest schedules down the stretch. Now, it's not number one in strength of schedule, but it's definitely going to be tough for the O's here in this final month of the season. Now, luckily for the Orioles, it starts with an off day today. And the Orioles actually have three off days over the next eight days. They've got to take advantage of that big time because they essentially don't have one after that. For the rest of the season so after the orioles are off today they're back at home for three games at home against the red sox red sox 67 and 71 at the moment they basically played themselves out of any wild card contention orioles seven and five against boston so far this season i think you look at this series you got to take at least two out of three you got a home series against a bad boston team you got to take this series two out of three get yourself back on the right foot win a series after losing four of your last five games then The O's get another off day on Monday, and then they go down to D.C. for two games against the Nationals. Now, the Nats have been playing better baseball as of late. Don't get me wrong. They just took a series from the Mets. They were just one horrendous ninth inning on Wednesday night from taking a series from the Cardinals as well. Those are two first-place teams that the Nats basically should have won two series from. But the Nationals are 48 and 89. The Orioles have already lost once to them this year. They cannot afford to have it happen again. You absolutely have to take both of those games in the two game series in DC. Then you get another off day next Thursday, and then the marathon begins when things really, really get difficult. And it starts with a gigantic series in Toronto, three games at the Rogers Center next weekend. And frankly, after losing three or four, you have to win that series against the team above you. You have to take two out of three from Toronto in that series. Simple as that. Then you come back home for a seven-game homestand that's super important because it starts with three games against the Detroit Tigers. This Tigers team is horrendous. And as bad as I think the Nats are, the Tigers might be worse. And the fact that the Orioles were swept in Detroit back in May still haunts me. I mean, two series that haunt me early in the year, losing three out of four in Oakland and getting swept in Detroit. Those two series are kind of killing the Orioles right now. Now, again, they were in April and May. It was a very different Orioles team back then. Uh, There was no Adley Rutschman back then in the Oriole lineup. But those are killers. You got to simply, you get the Tigers at home. This team's terrible. You simply, you have to sweep the Tigers. So you get all three from the Tigers. Then the Astros come in for a four-game series. Obviously, the toughest series left on the slate for the Orioles. The Red Hot Astros, they come in. Obviously, the O's did take two of three in Houston. You get Trey Mancini's return to Baltimore on that Thursday, the 22nd. Your goal should be get two out of four. Split that four-game series with the best team in the American League. Just get two of those four games at home should be your goal. Then next up, they go back on the road. They've got four in Boston. At that point, we're talking late September. If the Red Sox aren't buried now, they're certainly going to be buried by then. I think you got to go in and take 3 out of 4 in Boston. I th- I think it's as simple as that. You got to get 3 out of 4 against a bad Red Sox team. They're going to be trying to play a spoiler. They got a great lineup, but you got to go in and take that series. Then the Orioles go to Yankee Stadium for their final series against the Yankees. Haven't played them in a while, but they've got 3 games in New York. And this is where I think you know, these games are going to be big. It's the second to last series of the year. But here's where I'll cut them a little slack. It's tough to win at Yankee Stadium. I actually think the Yankees won't even have the division locked up by then. Because they've been playing some concerning baseball. I think there's going to be big games for them. I think you just try to get out of that series with one of three. You try to win one of those games in Yankee Stadium. And you keep yourself alive for the final series of the year. Which comes back home three games at Camden Yards against the Blue Jays to finish out the regular season. So before you get to that Blue Jay series, if the Orioles can do everything I talked about, two of three against the Red Sox, both of against the Nats, two of three in Toronto, you get three of three against the Tigers, two of four against the Astros, three out of four in Boston, one of three at Yankee Stadium. That puts the Orioles at 87 and 72 heading into the final three games of the series. It's a pretty good pace to try and get into the playoffs. But what the Orioles at the very least have to do is you have to stay within three games of the Blue Jays coming up on the final series of the year. And there's no guarantee that the Blue Jays will be in that last wildcard spot. The Mariners or the Rays could be in that spot by then. We'll talk about who probably will be in that spot coming up next. But essentially, if the Blue Jays are going to be that team, and the Orioles would really like the Blue Jays to be the team they're chasing, because they don't play the Rays or the Mariners anymore, but they got the Blue Jays six more times. You got to be three games back. Because if you're three games back or closer with three to go, you've got three games against the Blue Jays. And if the Orioles can win those three games, no matter what, they will have won the season series against the Blue Jays. Remember, no tiebreaker games this year in Major League Baseball. The tiebreaker, if you finish with the same record, is decided by head-to-head record. The O's right now are 7-6 and against the Blue Jays this year. So if they're back three games, they sweep the Jays, They will get into the postseason over Toronto. So that's the goal. Just be three games or less behind the Blue Jays by the time you get to the end of the season. And that's kind of the formula I came up with because I doubt the Jays will have more than 90 wins. I said the O's would have 87. I don't think they'll have more than 90 wins going into that series. And why? Well, the Jays have kind of a tough schedule coming up, as do the Rays. And coming up next... We'll talk about that to finish out the pod. The three teams ahead of the Orioles the Mariners, Rays, and Blue Jays. What does their schedule look like to finish out the season, and who is the most likely team for the Orioles to catch? So, the O's right now four and a half games behind the Blue Jays for the final AL wildcard spot after they let the Blue Jays come in and take three out of four from Baltimore. O's going into play on Thursday, five games back of the Mariners. They're in the number two spot, and they are six games back of the Rays, who currently hold the number one wildcard spot. So the question is, who can they catch? And who do they need the most help from in these final 25 games of the season? So let's start with the Mariners. They're currently, again, the number two wildcard team. They're five games up on the Orioles, currently with a 77-60 and record. Now, the teams do not play each other again, for the rest of the year. The Mariners have won the season series against the O's, so they would have the tiebreaker if the two teams finish with the same record. And the Mariners have the easiest schedule. This is not hyperbole. This is factual. They have the easiest schedule remaining, not just among playoff teams, not just among AL wildcard teams. They have the easiest schedule remaining in baseball. 30th out of 30 teams, including every team in baseball, in terms of schedule difficulty, for these final 25 games of the year does not bode well for the orioles trying to catch seattle including the fact that they're already five games back and they're essentially six games back because they don't have the tiebreaker i honestly think there's pretty much no chance they catch the mariners now i know mariners fans would hate this if they heard it they're on a 20-year playoff drought they're going to say i'm jinxing them but i mean baseball reference and fan graphs both give the mariners a 99 plus percent chance of making the playoffs I'd give them a 100 percent chance of making the playoffs right now. I mean, that the schedule's too easy. They're too far up. Nobody's catching them. The Mariners, they have a little bit of a tough stretch right now on their schedule. They have three games at home against the Braves and two games at home against the Padres. Those are two good National League playoff teams that could knock them off. But after those five games, so they can get through those five games, even if they can, even if they can just go like two and three in those five games against Atlanta and San Diego. They have maybe the easiest finish to a schedule I have ever seen. So the Mariners are done with all 19 of their games against the Houston Astros. They will play to finish the season after Atlanta and San Diego. Four against the Angels, three against Oakland, three against Kansas City, three against Texas, then three more against Oakland, and then four games at home against the Tigers to finish the season. They finish the year with a 10-game homestand. That is 3 against the Rangers, 3 against the Athletics, and 4 against the Tigers. That is the easiest finish to a schedule I have ever heard in my life. It's kind of ridiculous that that's what their schedule looks like at the end of the season. You look at those games, there is no way... I mean, here's how I did the math. So they got 25 games left. If they go 15-10 and 10 against that cakewalk, they should go better than 15-10. If they go 15-10, and 10, they finish the year 92-70. and 70. There is very little chance the Orioles can get to 93 wins this season and pass the Mariners. I mean, the O's, to put that in perspective, they would have to go 21-4 and if the Mariners go 15-10 and to pass the Mariners in the standings. That's not happening. The Mariners are in. I'm kind of not even worried about their games anymore because, A, they're going to get in. And, B, they don't play any of the other wildcard teams. They play two NL teams and a bunch of horrible teams. So... The Mariners are kind of out of mind. Now let's get to the Rays. Now the Rays are a little tougher to catch because A, they are six games ahead of the O's and B, remember the Rays ended up winning the season series against Baltimore. The two teams don't play each other for the rest of the year and the Rays went 10-9 against the O's this season which means they have the tiebreaker. So again, if the two teams finish with the same record, the Rays would get in over the Orioles. So that makes it tough. So you're basically seven games back of Tampa. On the flip side... Tampa's got one of the tougher schedules to end the season. Again, they're currently six games up on the Orioles, 77 and 58 on the year. They have a couple of extra games left. They actually have 27 games left to play, while the Orioles have 25. But it's going to be tough for Tampa, let me tell you. They start with three games in New York against the Yankees this weekend. Yankees playing a little better baseball after getting right against the Twins, who they always get right against this week. Then they have the biggest series in the AL wildcard. Starting next week... The Rays play a five-game series in Toronto against the Blue Jays. It's a Monday through Thursday series, which includes a doubleheader on Tuesday. A five-game series, which will be massive in the wild card standings. Then they get a little break. They come back home for three against Texas. But then they play three against the Houston Astros and then four more at home against Toronto after that. And then the Rays end the year on a nine-game road trip where they go to first-place Cleveland. They go for three games. They go to first place Houston Astros for three games. They still have six games against the Astros. And then they go to Boston for three games to end the year, which will be a little easier. But it's in Fenway Park. They got a little bit of pride that they play with sometimes at the end of the year. Now, the good thing for the Rays is they've kind of built up a pretty nice lead here in the wild card. And even if they go 13-14 and in their final 27 games, a losing record over the final 27 games... They will still finish with 90 wins. 13-14 would get them to 90-72, and 72, which I think will certainly be enough to get one of those three wild card spots. So it's going to be really tough for the Orioles to catch the Rays. Not because of their schedule, but because the lead they've built and just the O's don't have the tiebreaker. So you lose another game there. But it's possible because that series is tough. And that is where we come to the Blue Jays. Because it's so interesting, because the Orioles had the best chance to catch the Jays. Obviously, four and a half back of them, Jays now 76 and 60, and they still have six games left with Toronto. You win all six of those, you can catch the Blue Jays. So here's the Blue Jays' schedule. They have three in Texas against the Rangers this weekend. Then they have that five-game series against Tampa, like I talked about. Then they host the Orioles, of course, next weekend for three games. Then they have an odd little two-game series in Philadelphia against the Phillies, a Phillies team that is battling for a wild-card spot in the NL. That'll be a good series. Then the four at Tampa I mentioned. Then they end the season with six games at home, three versus the Yankees, three versus the Red Sox, before again traveling back to Baltimore for the final three games of the season. So it's not as easy as the Mariners, not as tough as the Rays, kind of in the middle that Blue Jays' schedule, but... The O's have the best chance. They're the closest to the Blue Jays, and they play them six times. You know the road is still in front of you, including the final series of the year. But the really interesting thing that's going to decide a lot of this wild card race is what happens in those nine games between Toronto and Tampa, especially the five game series in Toronto between the Rays and Blue Jays coming up next week. That's even before the Orioles get to play the Blue Jays the next time. So really, what should we cheer for as Orioles fans? Well, legitimately, you should cheer for just one of those two teams to dominate those nine games. You want somebody to win seven or eight of those nine games, whether it's Toronto or Tampa. And I will say, we'd much rather it be Tampa winning those games. Basically, the best path in for the Orioles is the Mariners handle their business, blah, blah, blah. I don't even think they, they matter here. The Rays do enough... But they handle their business against Toronto. The Rays, eh, you know, maybe they win 14 or 15 of their final, you know, 27 games. But they take, you know, they go 7-2 and two, or they go 8-1 and one, or, heck, I'll take 9-0 and o against the Blue Jays. They really beat up on the Jays and they kind of knock the Jays down closer and closer to the Orioles. And then the O's just win those two series against Toronto. Try to get, you know, four of the final six against the Blue Jays. Handle your business against the rest of your teams. And the O's can still get in here. Now, it's going to take some help, and I think it really is. You need the Rays to beat up on the Blue Jays and get them kind of back towards your level in the American League wildcard standings. Now, I know the Twins and White Sox are still both alive. Each of them are three games back of the Orioles. I don't think either of them have a wildcard chance. I mean, they're both seven and a half games back of the wildcard. They're both within three games of the AL Central lead. Remember... Cleveland right now leads the AL Central. The Orioles have a better record than them. The Orioles, if they were in the Central right now, would be in first place. That division stinks. I don't think the Twins or White Sox are in play for the wild card. They are certainly in play for their division, but I'm not really kind of watching them anymore either. So basically, let's hope the Rays can beat the Blue Jays and hope the Orioles can beat the Blue Jays. And listen, have hope. They are still in this race. And we are still covering this race here with you on the podcast. Got one more episode this week. Of course, Orioles off today. So for tomorrow's Friday episode, we will get you ready for the big three-game series between the Orioles and the Red Sox this weekend. And then we got a fun player interview coming up. Cade Povich is joining the podcast. Of course, the top pitching prospect who came over to the Orioles from the Twins in the Jorge Lopez deal back at the deadline. We talk about his transition from Minnesota to Baltimore, what it was like to get traded, his stuff on the mound, his routine, what it's been like for the Bowie Bay Sox, and what his goals are moving forward with the Orioles. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.